How's it going, guys? Welcome to the Serious Angler Podcast. For those that are new to the show, the Serious Angler Podcast was created to highlight the dedicated and passionate anglers in our fishing community uh, to try and provide a platform for them to tell their story of you know how they got into fishing and where it's brought them to today. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the show. Um, you can watch it on YouTube at the Ikebra Outdoors channel. Uh, if you're not already, you can watch over there, or you can access the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Anchor app, the Angler app, uh, and many more different podcast applications. Appreciate you guys listening, and enjoy the episode. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another podcast. Before I get into the introduction of our guest today, I want to make a quick shout out to Angler, uh, the not just any angler, the A-N-G-L-R, right here, the Angler Bullseye, uh, who are known for their Angler app, Angler Bullseye, now have uh, Angler compatible with rods and Lowrance, uh units, which is pretty awesome. Um, I am now working with Angler. I cannot wait to see what is in store for the future with them, uh, but I want to make a quick shout out to them because they're supporting the podcast, supporting my YouTube channel, and I can't wait to keep moving forward. The Angler Bullseye is a great asset of mine because I'm very analytical with how I approach my, my fishing trips. Um, I'm very analytical in my learning, um, learning bass behavior, learning areas, patterns, trying to put things together in more of an analytical way than just based on a hunch. Uh, while you know gut feelings can be productive, you know stats don't lie. Um, so I think that you know this the Angler, the Bullseye can help you with the application, with this bullseye, help you fish better, fish more efficiently while on the water. And one thing that's pretty awesome that anglers come out with in their application now, uh, while also being able to access our podcast on the application, right there, Let's see if we can get that up there on the screen, you can also do challenges. So there are now challenges for angler. There's the Vibon Challenge and there is the TRF Quarantine Classic. That one right there, it's a little, might be a little bit blurry, but you guys get the point. Download the Angler app if you haven't already. Join these challenges and get the opportunity to win. I think it's a $100 gift card to Vibe Kayaks, but also in the TRF Classic, you can win three free rods and free gear from Angler. Guys, you got to check them out. Um, it, it's just an awesome way to make yourself better and more efficient out on the water. Um, you know, hit, hit me up in my, my social media or in these comments below in the video, if you have any questions on them, uh, it's a great way to access knowledge on this application between the, the, the podcasts, the articles, the videos, and the challenges are a great, uh, a great way to you know be competitive and also win some free gear and have some fun, especially this day, these, this time you know that we live in uh, with this whole virus. So, so I just want to make a quick shout out to Angler. Appreciate you guys for your support. Uh, and I cannot wait to make some videos using this this bullseye moving forward and see what's to come. But today, getting back on track, what is important about today, we are with Mr. Hayes Baldwin, a Minnesota guide uh, who is a multi-species guide, a tournament angler. He pretty much can catch anything that swims up there in Minnesota. Um, I'm so excited to get this guy on talk about many different things. We've been planning this out for probably, oh gosh, I mean two three months. Uh, this guy is always busy, always fishing. You know, fishing comes first for us anglers. So the fact that he got some downtime, took some time out of his day to sit down and have a podcast with me means the world. I'm super excited to get him on here. 
Hope you guys enjoy this as much as I do. Let's get to it. All right, we are recording. Hey, Baldwin, what's going on, my man? Good. How you doing, buddy? Doing all right. It's probably been, what, two, three months we've been trying to get this to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we started talking about this in uh, late January, early February, but here we are. What is it? The Almost the middle of April here coming on. <laughs> beginning of April, but. Yeah, especially the first week of, of April. Well, we finally got it done. I mean, it's not done yet, so uh, we got to knock on wood. We got to make sure we get through this thing. We'll get, we'll get through it. We'll get through yeah. it. Yeah. How's, how you doing up there? Are you staying safe? You, you staying healthy? Yeah, man. They're you know, good thing they allow us to fish. Otherwise, I'd be going mad up here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, everything's good, man. I still, I actually work at a at a granite shop, so I still have my job. It's considered an essential business, so I'm still able to make money, which is cool. Um, and uh, so you know, yeah. It's it's good. I'm I'm able to uh, have a little little cash flow. A lot of people are out of work, so that that, that that's got to be tough. It is really tough. I was talking. I think you're, you're friends with him, Adam Bartusik, and he, oh, yeah. he's struggling yep, yep. now. And everybody, you know, I just got laid off myself. It's it's a tough yep. climate to be in. Hopefully, it blows over soon. But you know, it, it is what it is. Got to keep on the grind. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna change a lot of stuff. So we'll see what happens. I'm optimistic. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah, one if one thing's for sure, the one thing I, I always think is kind of humorous, but my buddy said uh, it's the extinction of the handshake, pretty much is what's going on. Yeah, we do. What is it with the elbow bump now? Oh. <laughs> a little elbow tap. Yeah, elbow tap. Yeah. All right. Well, before we uh we dive into the whole podcast, uh, for everybody listening, watching, uh, watching, watching, um, you know, tell them a little bit about yourself, and then you know who got you into fishing and how that whole thing started. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my name's Hayes Baldwin, and uh, originally I'm from the metro area of, of Minneapolis, St. Paul. So the western suburbs, uh, right around Lake Minnetonka, is where I grew up. Um, fishing all those lakes out there, uh, Lake Independence, uh, Minnetonka, Sarah, to name a few. Uh, there's ten thousand lakes in Minnesota, so I could go on and on and on about that. But uh, uh, my great grandpa was kind of the one that introduced me to fishing. Um, other than him, no one in my family fished at all, actually. Wow. Um, so I was able to spend time fishing with him at a young age until I was, you know, he passed away when he was 104 years old. So he lived, he lived a long life. I was able to fish with him up until I was about 13, 12, 13 years old. Um, and he definitely taught me a lot. Of course, you know, he was, he was mainly a, like a pan fisherman. He didn't do a whole lot of like, bass fishing or anything like that but uh yeah i mean he taught me how to clean fish and all that all that good stuff and i hacked away at a lot of fish before i finally <laughs> got to you know uh learn it but uh yeah he's the the only one in my life that uh that really fished that was in my family so yeah that's i love hearing the stories of guys that get into the sport and it's not just because their whole entire family does it so naturally they kind of are born into it Right, it's right. cool to see, like, you know, not the whole family does it. You know, you kind of get into it in a certain, like, a different way. It's a, it's a unique story, which I, I enjoy. Which yeah, is pretty, yeah. 104 I mean, he, is freaking impressive. Yeah, he, so he lived long, he instilled instilled that that fishing, love for fishing in me. And then also something else is, you know, um, he was a, a, a real big golfer as well. And I played, I played high school golf, and I, I actually still love to golf. And so, on, on you know, uh, so, Part of part of that was, you know, we'd fish, but we would also uh, uh, golf together, and so um, that's the other thing that 
um, you know, he instilled in me at a young age was, was this love for golf, which I still definitely still have. So that's kind of cool. But he must have been like a health freak if he's golfing past 90. <laughs> yeah, I think he had lost his license when he was like 96. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's crazy. So how, how did you guys get? I'll have to ask, but like, how did you guys get around to like lakes and golf courses if he didn't have his license? Yeah, I mean, so like his son, so my grandpa, my dad's dad would drive us around and stuff. And then uh, he had a, we'd have to help him get down the stairs at Lake Independence there. My grandparents had a place. Um, it was just kind of a, a process, but um, right up until the end of I mean, he was the last conversation that I had with him in his hospital bed was about um the previous day of fishing that i had which is kind of interesting literally the, the last thing that we talked about was fishing so i mean that says it all i mean this guy loved it um and it's definitely lit a fire inside me uh that i can only see uh growing you know so that's kind of cool yeah that's incredible it kind of gives you like it's your roots something to uh, you know to fall back on like when you have those frustrating days that those are the things you remember and it kind of ignites you back into getting out of that frustration period and just going and catching it. Yeah. yeah and, and, and that's the whole thing with the, with the fishing industry, man. Like it's a, it's a small industry. It's, it's, it's tight. And you know, um, if you, you're doubting yourself, you know, it's everyone probably does at some point, but there's always an opportunity. Um, you kind of just gotta, you know, put yourself out there and, and chase after what you want. And I mean, anything is achievable, man. So. Yeah. Well, hundred percent. That's, a, that's awesome. So how did you continue your passion then? You know, obviously, you know, once you didn't have him around to, you know, yeah. share it with, you know, how did you continue that and until, I mean, I know we're going to get into a bunch, whole bunch of stuff, but, you know, what's the kind of timeline to where you are now? How, how does that work? So uh, I basically was, you know, a fish. I had a, a good buddy of mine, Connor Kleist, um, that, that I grew up with, you know, in late in middle school and then up into high school. Uh, he kept his boat at my grandma's dock on Lake Independence, so I would I would fish with him on and off. I would shore fish a lot, you know, when I didn't have a just got my driver's license. Um, in the summertime, we actually had a cabin up up north here where I currently live, um, in the Brainerd area, on Gull Lake. So I was fortunate enough to spend my summers there as a kid. So I always was fishing. I I had I think I've had like six or seven different boats. I seemed like I got a new boat every year, but. You know, crappy lawns. I'd build like we'd build decks on them and stuff, and you know it was nothing special. But and then I, I throughout this course of fishing and stuff, I met a couple of people. Interestingly enough, I met a guy named Bill Linder, um, whose um, uncle is pretty well well known. His name's Al Linder, and <laughs> and <laughs> um, I developed a relationship with Billy, and everything kind of took it took different you know, routes. I, I, I don't know. Uh, that was kind of, kind of cool because just from that relationship, a lot of stuff stemmed out. Um, I met a lot of people and, uh, another guy I got to mention Levi Christensen. I, uh, met him on Gull Lake when I was 15 years old, I would say randomly, uh, he was fishing and, and he asked me, he said, this is a true story. He said, where can I catch some bass on the lake? And I was just, you know, a little kid I had in a 12 foot crest liner, whatever tootling along i didn't really know what was going on but i knew where to catch bass and he said where can i catch bass i said follow me you know i was just like i can impress this guy you know i was a young kid 
And I said, just follow me over here and, and cast, I said, cast at that, uh, the edge of that dock over there. And it was a swimming dock that was out in the water in like eight or nine foot of water. And he casted at it. And on his first cast, he caught like almost a four pounder. I think it was a three, eight, eight. He was pre-fishing for a tournament. And so he was like, can I pick you up at your dock tomorrow morning? Can we go fishing? And I was like, I'm going to have to ask my parents. And uh, of course my parents said, okay, Uh, we got together. um, And that relationship definitely blossomed. We fished a number of tournaments together um, in the coming years. Uh, And I have like six or seven wins under my belt with Levi on Gull Lake. Uh, You know, some second place finishes. I also fished with his brother, Chad. Um, So man, it's just crazy. Just this random little stuff happens. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man, just weird stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah. So you were breaking every rule of coronavirus. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Those are, those are like, those are some of the, the greatest like stories though. You hear that, you know, the, the friendships that are built off of random stuff like that, that just kind of blossom into something where, you know, lifelong friends, which is pretty incredible. You know, yeah. Like, it's, that come it's, randomly. It's really, it's really something I don't take lightly, and it's something I believe that, you know, everyone experiences at some point or another in their lives, and uh, the, these relationships can turn out to be, you know, really some of the most important relationships you can, you can make, you know, and so that's why I think it's really important for anyone listening to this um, that to just kind of don't be afraid to ask questions, don't be afraid to, you know, kind of put yourself out there and, and, and if you really want something, you know, go in and try and get it. So, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, meeting random people, I'm all about it. Talking oh, to random, I don't, I don't care. I mean, I had the opportunity to do a seminar, speak public speaking. I love it all, man. Anything fishing related. I'm addicted. So that's why you wanted to be on the podcast. <laughs> no, no, you got, yeah, you got something cool here. I mean, this is sweet. Well, yeah, no. And that's, it's another thing too, is, you know, obviously don't do it now because like with the whole corona thing but you know take a kid fishing like even if it's just a picking up a kid at a boat yeah. I've heard so many stories of that where you know guys just see a kid fishing from the bank he's by himself be like hey your parents care if you come fishing and then yeah. that's like those are some of the greatest stories you hear in fishing because a lot of those guys are some of the biggest names in the industry now because of people that do that you know just who are willing to you know, go out and put others in a position to catch fish, you know, yeah. being selfless, which is pretty cool. But, Heck yeah, uh, man. Yeah. So, so where in that timeline did you decide, Hey, I want to be a guide. Yeah. I want to be a fishing guide. So it was always like, I, I actually had one of guide trip when I was like 16 with, uh, one of walleye Dan, he's a guys over here, one of his guides. And so I was able to go out with my buddies and we fished with him. And I was like, this is kind of cool. Like, this is what this guy you know, fishes in the summer and that this is how he, you know, makes income and stuff. And so at the time I was still in high school and I was like, I think after high school, I better move back up to the uh, Brainerd area and kind of pursue this fishing thing. And so, uh, this is, I'm going to take a lot of turns and this is going to kind of go off, but I'll come oh, back yeah. in. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, I worked at a place called Tuned Up Custom Rods, which we built custom fishing rods, specifically ice rods. They did do open water stuff too. And I, I met a guy named Pat Olson there who um, informed me that I there was a, an available job up north at a Glacier Fish Houses. That's a ice houses 
Um, so immediately once I got out of high school, I moved up north. I was actually living at my cabin, my family cabin at the time. And I worked at Glacier Fish Houses and built these fish houses, um, you know, on the side of trying to get the guiding thing going. And, you know, I would say throughout the last three years, I've probably guided 200 times. So it's not like a massive thing for me, but I can count on it as a source of income, you know, in the summertime. And then a little bit in the wintertime, I have a fish house as well on my, of my own that I rent out to people. Um, so the guiding thing developed, uh, you know, basically right out of high school when I was 18, 19. Um, and I've developed a decent, you know, a decent name for being, you know, 22 years old. Um, I have to compete against some of these guys that have been doing it for, uh, there's some famous guides leagues up here, the Nisswa Guides League. These guys have been guided for 50 plus years, man. They have clientele and lists and lists of people that'll fish with them. So I would say there's 50 other guides in the Brainerd area. So um, I'm still working on developing a, you know, a bigger presence, but um, it's definitely, it's definitely cool to just be in the mix and uh, it's, it's a daily thing, but I mean, you know, with the whole coronavirus thing, I don't know what this summer is going to bring. I have six or seven books, uh, trips in the book already. Um, and I, I usually, you know, get more and more as, as the spring and summer wears on, but who knows what's going to happen. But I mean, yeah, that's basically how, how I got this thing started. It's, it's, unfortunately, it's a, it seems like it would make sense for guides to do well during this time, but with all the, you know, the, the distancing and everything, it's, it's, it sucks because there's no way around it. You know, there's, there's not, you see all these sports teams that they can't compete anymore, but they're still getting good ratings because like, I mean, I saw like a, some, these two pro soccer teams, what they did is they couldn't have games anymore. So the two teams in the day they're supposed to play. Yep. They basically live streamed their two of their players. So one of their players from each team played each other in FIFA using their teams, and that's how they determined who won. Yeah, so, like, some creative ways, but like as a guide, you you can't do that. You know, there, there's not things you can do. You can't you know tell somebody to go play a, a fishing video game and make it you know you know worth their time. It's it just doesn't translate. So it's it's tough, no. especially for that industry. And you know, without the coronavirus, even something that I, I should tell every single person out there. If they're wanting to get into guiding, you know, there's pros and cons to it. But, you know, one of the things you have to prepare yourself for is, you know, financially, there's going to be times of the year where you're not able to necessarily make money. In Minnesota, that time is going to be from November 1st until maybe mid-December when the ice is starting to form. And you can't really do much on the lakes. And then again, like right now, when the ice is coming off the lakes, um, you know, you can't do anything. There's no fishing really to be had anymore. So it's important to have different streams of income, whatever that may be. Um, for myself, you know, I still do a couple of things. I, I currently have, you know, basically a full-time job until the summer starts rolling. I can take more time off, but, um, definitely the more sources of income you have, the better off you're going to be, uh, from that aspect, just because if you get hit with a, you know, something breaks down on your boat, yeah, uh, heck, my bait bill last summer had to be like close to two thousand dollars that I was spending just in bait. Um, it, there's all these crazy, crazy things that pop up, and uh, so the different streams of income is really, really critical in, in this industry, especially at the beginning. Yeah, any sort of hit of any size is going to put a you know a wager in how you do things. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty difficult. But uh, what's the goal here? Uh, what's your goal? You know, is is guiding full time a dream of yours? Yeah. Or- What's the yeah, it's, 
it's definitely a dream of mine. Um, I like, <laughs> I like ice fishing. I feel like I'm kind of forced to do it. You know, obviously, you know, I, I mean, I do enjoy it. I like open water fishing 10 times more. I, I, you know, I want to spend my time from May 1st until the end of October, ultimately guiding, you know, a hundred to 200 trips, whatever it may be somewhere in there a year. That's what I want to do. I want to make, you know, make it, you know, a living. Um, and I realize that's going to take time, but the end goal is to kind of do that. And then, you know, also, uh, I'd love to, to get into tournament fishing, uh, both walleyes and bass. I mean, I love it both. I've spent time fishing for both and I've developed a, a passion for basically all speed hack. I'll fish for anything that swims, man. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much that. So, so let me ask you then, I've never experienced or read up on or watched watched a a walleye tournament video is it anything like is it pretty much a bass tournament just different species how it's run or yeah so so yeah so with walleyes a lot of times there's a slot limit so you know uh the tournaments around here where we're actually keeping fish you're you have a five fish limit just as you would in a bass tournament and out of those five walleyes you're only allowed one walleye over 20 inches so your goal to get that 30 incher 29 you know that eight pounder that's like your kicker and then you want to get obviously 19 and seven eighths as your unders although that's very rare to achieve that but you want to get good unders you talk about getting good unders and a good over so your five fish limit can be as heavy as possible oh so so everyone's keeping fish you just have to have if there's a strategy behind it though yep and then also also there's uh an aim aim format aim walleye series that's a big series in north dakota and minnesota up here uh where you're actually you actually get a, a blank sd card and you get a you have a digital camera and you're you're given a, a um a measuring board and you actually put your fish down on the board and take a picture of it and then you flip the fish around and take a picture of yourself holding it the other side of the fish to prove that it's the same fish and then um, there's a pre-recorded weight for each link. So if I caught a walleye that weighed 19 inches, for example, I would look on my scorecard and it would say 19-inch walleye weighs, you know, uh, 2.5 pounds. And I would, I, we, I would write down all the fish that I caught and take pictures of them. And at the end of the day, I would take my five biggest fish and that would be my weight. That's something that they're doing more be- because walleyes are a species that, are a little bit more fragile than a bass. Um, and so from that aspect, I mean, I'd like, it'd be interesting to see it. You know, I don't, I'm not quite sure it would be as fair with bass fishing because, you know, I mean, they don't, bass don't get to 30 inch. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. It, but it's kind of a cool format. So, I mean, that's the two different sides of, of walleye fishing tournaments uh, around where we're at. It's very interesting. That's, yeah. it seems like a, I could I could be wrong here, so you can correct me if I am. Um, that for, uh, method of tournament fishing for those walleye sounds like there's a lot of room for people to kind of, I, I guess, sort of cheat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a big thing. I mean, it takes it takes. I feel like it, it does take a special kind of person, you know, to to do something like cheat and in, in, in a tournament, but. Um, there's definitely a lot more room with that that aim format, and and you you kind of question yourself. Um, sometimes you see weights that are that are unbelievable, you know, unbelievably high, and you know, 
it's always in the back of your mind, like, did someone cheat? But at the end of the day, you just got to be – trust that people are honest. And, I mean, it's better off for the, for, for the walleye fisheries, you know, to, and as far as keeping fish, you know, healthy and alive. Um, yeah. From that standpoint, the, the AIM definitely uh, does a better job with that. It's good. Uh, it's it's very rare to see, I guess, coming from the bass world, to see a tournament trail that has an honor code to it, where guys do trust each other, because a lot of these bass tournaments are very fine tuned down to the point where there are there is very little or no room for cheating. Right. And and if you do, it's very obvious. You right. Know, I see the local, some local trails where I'm sure stuff goes on you know my local trail around here not to call out anybody but like the same three guys that win all the time or the same <laughs> three guys that are already on the lake and they don't get their live wells checked yeah. just my two cents but yeah yeah man i mean i i totally hear you on that we i mean we have local leagues around here and stuff and and i'm telling you what man like i we these same the same guys you know win week after week and you kind of start to scratch your head and you're like how are they producing these unbelievable bags of fish um and you just gotta i don't know you just gotta trust what you're doing and i mean there's really it's out of your control you know but yeah. i mean it, it is it is mind-blowing sometimes just to to be like just take a step back and say like how is this even how is this possible man these these guys are sacking up 20 plus pounds every night or whatever it is for for bass derbies um yeah it's kind of weird i see what you're saying yeah it's it's something you get to look into but you know it's not something to dwell on at the same time but no. uh, if you were if you were able to give a a, a pro and a con you know, one for each of guiding what, what would you say man i'm a i'm a pretty social person so i could talk to someone for two hours about nothing about mowing grass like and i have you know this is weird but um one of the pros is you know you get to know so many people you're getting to spark new conversations with people you're constantly talking you're constantly teaching i love to teach fishing i mean so my grandfather one of the things that he instilled in me was this passion for fishing he taught me so when i'm able to take let's just say an eight-year-old kid out and they get to reel in a four-pound largemouth bass and i get it in the net and I see the joy that it brings that person, you know, I, I feel it inside of me, like that fire, you know, that we were yeah. talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's tons of pros, um, you know, the cons of guiding, um, I guess just like, I know some guys that do it 200 times a summer or I mean, 200 times a year rather, um, in the open water season, that's a ton. So, um, one of the cons has to be, I don't know how every single, day you could produce fish so you are gonna you are gonna have your your bad days you know on the water but um you just have to learn to you know you got to learn to to break down water and and when you're not guiding i think it's important to to be on the water still and because if you're doing it that much 200 times a summer for example you gotta you know you gotta you gotta produce fish and i'm 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 saying like I think there's there's a point to where it, it gets a little bit feeling too much. It's it gets like to a point where you you feel like this certain amount of pressure. Um, yeah. That's just from, almost that's like just, fishing. 
Yeah, that's just what I would guess. I don't know. Maybe some of these guys that have been doing it for 60 years, <laughs> you know, maybe they they have their milk runs and, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's it just the, the cons would be like you have to prepare mentally for bad days on the water, you know. Um, and that, that's a real thing. I mean, I've had them myself. I, the worst guide trip I've ever had was I was in a boat with a guy for six hours and I was, I caught one smallmouth bass. That was it. That's all the boat saw. I caught one smallmouth bass myself, which really sucks. Sometimes I don't fish. If I'm fishing with one other person, I fish, you know, kind of depends on the people. If I have to, you know, if they're not very highly skilled, you know, then I'm constantly helping them and stuff. So I'm not fishing, but yeah, you're going to have bad days. So you just have to kind of mentally prepare for that stuff. But I mean, I think there's more pros than cons, definitely. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I mean, if there were if there were more cons than pros, you wouldn't be doing it. So. Yeah, and, and I'm by no means a full time. You know, I don't do this every single day in the summer, but I can I can definitely see, you know, how if you were, it would become kind of stressful, and and, and you'd have to, you know, you'd have this sort of feeling like you got to produce, you know, daily, which I, I, one day I wish to feel that. And I wish to see if I can achieve, you know, the success of, of being a full-time guide for sure. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. If you want a curious question I have for you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as a guide and as an angler, you know, you said you, you love to fish multi-species. You, you have a passion for each species that pretty much that, that swims. Yeah. What if you were to put it on a calendar, you know, January to December, you know, of of species that you like to target, you know, if you could say your favorite species or maybe say the best species to target in each month, what what would you put that as? So we're coming into April and May. Um, Until the walleye season opens, we're actually only able to fish for crappie. And so I love to crappie fish you know, even into May a little ways, uh, when, before the fish get to spawning. Um, but you know, this time before walleye opener, when the lakes open up, it's a great time to go out and chase panfish, you know? And of course you're going to have a lot of bycatches. You're going to be catching large mouth. You might catch walleyes. You'll catch stuff at the same time. Obviously you can't keep them and you know, you're not targeting them, but yeah. so I would say May, you know, May through, you know, late, I guess early May, late, a- I'm sorry, late April through like you know, the end of May and stuff is a panfish. And then I kind of gear up and, you know, my, my, most of my June through basically, you know, through August is split 50, 50 between bass and walleyes, man. So, Hmm. and then, you know, stemming from that comes my favorite bite of the year, which is in the fall. Um, when the water turns over again and hits, you know, the mid fifties. Um, again, the crappie bite is phenomenal in deep water. The large mouth are pushed back up shallow. Um, the walleye bite can be phenomenal in deep water. Um, you'll get big schools of bait fish that congregate, you know, in 30 to 60 feet of water. And they're, they're very easy to see on electronics and you can fish for them. Um, so, I mean, and then through the ice, man, I'm, I consider myself more of a walleye fisherman than anything. Um, I like to chase panfish when I have the opportunity to. Um, but yeah, I mean, just there, there's a time and place for everything, but I mean, heck you can catch everything anytime. Right. I mean, I don't know. Very true. Very true. Yeah. That's one thing that, uh, you know, I've had a bunch of guys 
from the Minnesota area on this podcast. And that's one one of the biggest topics that we talk about uh, in comparison to New York is that you guys can't target species out of season. Whereas we have like maybe two counties where you can't do that here, but they're very small uh, that you can't target bass. But like in counties where bass fishing is very prevalent, you know, you yeah. can target them all year round. There's just only certain seasons where you're allowed to bring them home. Yeah. And you're seeing a huge decline of people keeping bass, which is for me yeah. as a tournament angler, a competitive fisherman, a guy that just does it for the love of the, of the species and to learn, you know, I love to see that, but um, it's, yeah. it's, it's tough because you guys can't even target anything, which is, well, you know, <laughs> this is kind of interesting too. I'm going to, I'm going to touch on this. Uh, typically uh, we we're able to fish border water. So one of the river systems up North called the rainy river, it runs from rainy Lake into uh, Lake of the woods. Um, it is actually, they closed down all the accesses. So you're able actually still to fish out, I believe until the 14th of April and so that's a big pre-spawn walleye run that a lot of guys fish every year. Uh, and this year they're not able to do that, you know. And so the amount of boats that's in that river on a daily basis, like last year at this time, you know, on the river itself, I would guess, you know, um, even on a weekday, there's 150 to 300 boats in that river. Um, so that's quite a bit of boats. On the weekends, you're talking in the thousands, man. And so for good reason, they shut it down. But at the same time, I mean, that was a big, that's a big deal for a lot of people, man. People go up there and fish sturgeon and walleyes um, this time of year, and, and now you're not really able to do that. Um, luckily, last weekend I was on Lake Superior, um, and we're able still to fish there and stuff. Uh, we, we fish for trout and st- with my buddy uh, uh, Grant, who's got that Superior Angling uh, show. Um, and so that was fun, but, every, you know, that's kind of the talk around Minnesota is that that whole rainy river getting shut down has irritated a lot of, a lot of walleye anglers. So that's kind of, <laughs> yeah, that's where we're at here. Interesting. So yeah. best, best fall fish, what would you say? Best fall fish. I'm man, I'm going to go with walleye off the bat, man. Like I like to chase walleye. I mean, my, my favorite month of the year to fish bar none more than any other is october man if i didn't have to if i didn't have to do anything else but fish october 1st through the 31st that's what i would do october is the number one month and heck the bass bite's good the panfish bite is good but the walleye bite in particular can be uh so so good man i've had 30 to 50 fish days on my my home lake uh gull lake here in brainerd uh you just get big schools of fish like I said before, they're really easy to find. You drive around, drop a you know a big minnow on their head, and uh, you can you can put some you know unbelievable. It it almost feels like you know in some cases like Canada. You're just popping them one after another. Um, but uh, favorite fall fish is definitely walleyes. So when you go to look for walleye, you know when you're going out and uh, are you you know because there's a lot of guys that you know when you go bass fishing you know. A lot of there's some there's your guys that go and beat a bank and will go blindly yep. and work a stretch yep. I think is best, but then there's, there's the guys card, yeah. that go off offshore and they'll they'll run their waypoints and then graph around to see if they see anything yeah. and then fish certain you know maybe maybe it's rock piles maybe it's brush piles. Are you yeah. going around to certain areas you know where they're usually at and graphing them until you find them or are you just going to a certain area a certain stretch and hope that they're there? So it's, there's, it's interesting. Cause that, you know, it's, there's a little bit of both, um, in the springtime, especially, um, a lot of your places that have, you know, current, 
uh, like inflows, rivers, creeks, whatever it may be. A lot of times that's kind of just an automatic deal. If there's some current, a lot of fish are going to suck up into that stuff. So I, I'll kindly, I'll, I'll blindly fish that a lot of the times I won't even, I'll just fish it because it produces year after year. But, you know, on the flip side, if you go out um, and you're looking at, say, like a large sand flat, for example, and so on, on, on this large sand flat, you know, like, um, or rock flat, whatever it may be, I'm going to use Mille Lacs Lake as an example. That's a lake in our backyard up here. You've probably heard of it yourself. Um, a, a world-class smallmouth fishery, but um, a lot of the walleyes there early season are just kind of um, not... Uh, they just kind of roam. They don't hold on anything. So um, that's where the power of side imaging comes in. You know, you can run down a, a break line and shoot your, you know, off to the right 80 feet and the left 80 feet, you know, looking for those shadows and stuff. And so a lot of times as a walleye fisherman, we spend, uh, spend a lot of time just driving around, you know, and I've spent eight hours just literally looking at my graph and not dropping a line pre-fishing for a tournament. That's my way of pre-fishing. I mean, I will, I will use a tank of gas before I drop a line because I'm looking for something very special, something very sweet. And that's a lot of fish in a small area. You know, once I know there's a lot of fish in a small area, depending on the time of year, you know, in the spring, it might be pitch. I might pitch jigs. I might, you know, in some cases troll, um, you know, come summertime, I'm going to switch to more of a live bait presentation for walleyes. I'm going to look for them more on, you know, weed edges points, uh, in some cases like sunken humps, and I'm looking for tight groups of them. One of my favorite ways to target them is with like a slip bobber and a leech. And I use a, a big egg weight above a swivel below the bobber and then a jig head uh, um, below that. So the whole program drops really fast. So it's more like a power slip bobber presentation. So I can drive around and if I mark walleyes, I can stop my boat and pitch that live bait back to those fish. Gets down on them quick. If I don't get bit within 30 seconds, I move on. You know, and then into the fall, it's more of live bait presentations. Same kind of thing applies in deep water. I use a lot more down imaging and regular 2D sonar to find fish. Um, but with walleyes, man, it's really one of those fish. And I, you could say the same for schooling largemouth. I mean, and you just the you, the more fish you can find in a small area, the better off you're going to be. Um, oh, 100%. So I mean, it's just it's 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 cool because I mean I'm seeing artificials come into play. You know everyone thinks walleyes they think a oh, night crawler or a minnow or whatever you know um so it's cool i mean to to be you know on the forefront of this artificial push you know um a lot of my buddies use plastics and you know jigging wraps there's a lot of these new techniques to get to trigger fish you know and so it's just cool to play around with you know one day they might want you know like a a half ounce jig with a you know like a fluke style minnow on it you're just snapping it hard in the summer when the water's warm um the next day they might not eat that and they might want a slip bobber with a with a with a leech or a crawler when they're more neutral you know and they're not in a positive um, mood but uh you know it's just a time of year thing so i mean you know in the spring it's you know it's pretty much a you know a jig and minnow bite you know crankbait bite and then as, as the summer progresses spinners uh you know you control crankbaits again uh faster um you know the, the water's warmer the fish's metabolism is higher um and then into the fall they get a little bit more lazy you kind of go back to that live bait stuff but i mean overall it's it's cool um you know just going after walleyes because man they bite 
you know, just like a bass or, or anything, really, they bite just a variety of different stuff. So it's it's just fun to to play around with that. So. Yeah, I think your your tangent there really just went to show how much I only know about bass and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've caught three or four bass, or not? Oh my gosh, that'd be really bad. Three or four <laughs> walleye in my entire life. Yeah, 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 and, and two of them have already been this season because they were in the same schools as the bass were. Right. Which is pretty interesting, which came well, up and saw his big fat belly of a walleye. <laughs> and it was like, okay, this is a, likely, a lovely surprise. Like, yeah. <laughs> never, never had this before. You know, and, and, and on, on the flip side, you know, you talk about bass. You were just saying, you know, there's a lot of visual stuff. With largemouth, where we're at up here, you know, in the lakes, like, I'm sure you spoke to Sam, Sobe, Adam, whatever. The lakes that they yeah. fish down in the cities, um, you know, a lot of those lakes, you're, there's a lot more uh there there's there can be a lot more rock and stuff so where you're, you're actually graphing to find fish where we're at up here i i still do do graph you know weed lines and stuff for bass but a lot of it's visual in the fact that the water is really clear and i know what i'm looking for with the weed growth and stuff so a lot of times i don't even use the graph i just kind of drive around till i maybe see a mat of milfoil or coontail that hits the surface you know it's got some water underneath it and then i you know i fish like a peg craw tube, one ounce peg craw tube, or, you know, whatever it may be, a pit boss, whatever, whatever you want to throw, you know, and you, you just pick, I'm, I'm more of a, when it comes to bass fishing, a lot more of a visual guy myself. You, you sound like a guy from New York right now, because a lot of our finger lakes are just big bowls of grass and there, yeah. there's rock piles here and there, but there is no structure whatsoever. No, you know, no. And you're not going to, you're just not going to graph largemouth in, dense weeds it's just not a thing and so you know it becomes uh just a a game of if it looks good you should probably fish it and learn from what you see you know learn from what you're seeing and if you're catching fish uh on something in a particular lake you know it can it probably works in other places as well and i mean that's just i'm sure your water out in new york is really clear as well as ours is here i mean you, you know, you have those stained lakes and stuff, but like that Cayuga, I'm sure you fish Cayuga. I mean, from what I understand, that's, you know, there's a lot of visual stuff going on with that. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, this time of year, I mean, this past weekend was just offshore rock piles. And, yeah. uh, you know, you for those fish, I mean, in general, I don't like a super clear water. I like a little bit of stain just because right. it lights the bite a lot better. Yeah, uh, they're, they're not thinking as they're not seeing as much. They're not seeing as clearly, so they're more susceptible to to, to commit, which is pretty nice. Um, yeah. But once it gets into like July, I mean, obviously you're always in, all of our lakes have offshore rock piles. It's a matter of taking the time to try and find them, and once you find them, they're fire all year round, typically. Right. Right. But also in that same retrospect, if you're trying to fish shallow everything is visual when once it comes to the grass i mean you, you actually you can graph you know the deep weed lines but that's going to be it i mean you're, you're mostly what you're doing is you're finding something that's that sets apart from the rest of the lake and you're gonna if anything's healthy in a healthy environment and you're fishing the conditions right you're going to catch them but if yeah. you can find certain things like cuts in the grass points in the grass hard bottom yeah. to the grass yep. you're those are where those the bigger density of fish are going to be yeah. So that's one thing that we look for, and I'm sure you do just as well in, in Minnesota as in New York when it's very visual, like you said. But, like, you know, the deep grass lines, that's probably the one thing we do graph for. 
that kind of sets things apart from every other guy that might be out on that lake just flipping every everything you know everything there is every dock and <laughs> yeah every freaking yeah some some and over time you learn you know some things are better than others but i mean for me it's just trial and error um and it's why i actually man if i had to pick i i would fish bass every day I, I i like it more i like to catch bass more than i like to catch wall uh, excuse me walleyes but um you know the walleye are the money fish up here man that's what people want so i've learned to fish for them but i mean it's just more reward it's more of a reward to me to be able to kind of like visually look at something and then catch a fish out of it versus like you know driving around all day long and you know i mean walleye fishing can get really really boring and dull at certain times and <laughs> so i mean it's just the the you know you're fishing 65 pound braid with a one ounce weight and you're you know a large mouth smacks you're you're jigging a mat you know a grass mat in my opinion in my opinion like that's a lot more fun than dragging around a night crawler and you know i mean a perch is tapping at it and you might not catch a walleye all day long i mean that's the reality and so Bass definitely have my heart before walleye. Nice. Yeah, yeah 100%. I mean, bass have always had my heart. They always will. There's really no other species that will take me away from bass, unless it's yeah. ice fishing, which I only got into this year, and I only went right. for bass. So it's, <laughs> it's one of those things, like, if I go after anything else, all my brain is thinking about is what the bass are doing at that point in time. Right, and then right. I just completely distract myself, and I'm not fishing whatsoever. Yeah yeah it's just it's a it's a blessing and a curse (laughs) i hear you man yeah yeah so one thing you you brought up that you want to talk about and uh, we talked about a little bit with the walleye tournaments and stuff and how you fished some bass tournaments on on your lakes and you know but you know looking forward to 2020 you know virus willing you know what do you have planned yeah so i mean you know i'm i'm anticipating that the guiding season isn't going to be quite as busy as prior years so i was kind of thinking I'd try to fish some more tournaments and, you know, a lot of these tournaments you can pay in the night before or whatever it may be. There seems to always be spots. And so my goal was to, to try to fish like a dozen tournaments considering I'll probably be working three, two, three, four days a week, you know, at, at my granite job uh, here in town um, was to, you know, be able to fish more tournaments, but you know, who, who, who knows what's going to happen with that, you know, with the virus. But I think that, uh, you know, on a typical season you know i usually fish like four to four to eight bigger tournaments and then of course we have thursday night bass league you know you probably have a league yourself that you fish you know on a a certain night um but yeah that's kind of the game plan was for me to fish more but who knows man right now they canceled i believe they canceled all the tournaments in may in north dakota um so i don't know if minnesota's next or what but there's a couple bigger tournaments in may that i definitely wanted to fish those are walleye tournaments um, and then we have a big deal up here called classic bass. I wanted to try to get into one of those classic bass deals and try to fish. It's a thousand dollar entry. Um, try to fish against some of, some of the, some of these guys that are some of these guys that are really, really big time with my, I have a tiller, you know, they all have bass boats. I have a tiller boat to come in there and fish with the tiller and I uh, try to give them a run for their money. But hey, uh, man, don't discredit the boat. That's one of the biggest things, dude. I'll yeah. always live by that. My buddy and I, uh, our first tournament ever, we're in his, uh, oh, crap. What the heck was it? 
<laughs> Mastercraft or something, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember. It's a, it was a very, I think it was a 25 horse he had on there. So everybody's, everybody's run. It's like a, it was like a 10, I think it's a 10 mile, 12 mile lake. Something yeah. like that. But, uh, so very small lake. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it take the guys make runs that takes them five minutes. If, if that takes us yeah. 15, 20. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're going to our, our first tournament we've ever been in. First tournament yeah. ever. You know, 40, 50 boats and, and guys that, are, that we know from the area are teasing us because we're going out in this small little, uh, yeah. you know, tin boat. And uh, <laughs> uh, basically, the, the you know, this is how naive we were to tournament fishing was in practice. Yeah. We're like, yeah, we put up 20 pounds in practice and we were catching yeah. a crap ton of fish. You know, things you're not supposed to do when you're practicing. Yeah. And uh, we go out and we have maybe 13 pounds in our spots. Yeah. And we're like, thunderstorms rolling in. We're like, dude, like, whatever. Like, we suck. And uh, we go to our last area, and we finally, like, sit down and think. Like, you know, we put the intimidation aside of all these nice rangers and these guys with graphs and everything and super nicely 500, 600-hour setups. And yeah, yeah, we yeah. we still had some of our $60 Bass Pro Shop setups. And <laughs> yeah. we're just like, let's get back to basics. And, dude, I tell you, I kid you not. It just clicked, and we're just five five pounder, four pounder, five pounder. We come back in with twenty two pounds, and uh, we win the thing by over a pound. And uh, it's the plaque sitting actually right here. There you and, go. Uh, all, <laughs> all of our guys are like, they're like, you guys won it. And we're like, yeah, that's what you get for making fun of us. That's why you only caught ten pounds today. You know, yeah. don't don't count out the little guy. But that's the most show. It doesn't matter what boat you got; you can still win. It's all about the angler. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of, there's, you know, a thing with, with bass fishing, especially, I think, like, you know, everyone's got a bass boat or some sort of flat bottom style boat, you know, and I think guys need to start, you know, coming in with, with something different. I mean, you can see it on the Elite Series, like, like Gussie Gustafson from Canada, he's, he runs a Lund uh, Pro-V bass boat, and I mean, Lund is, is by no way, shape, or form a company that, you know, makes a bass you know, they never really made a bass boat. This is their, kind of their first one, so it's cool to see that. You know, I run a lawn tiller myself, but I would just like to – I'd like to see more of a, a push. I'm, I'm a big tiller guy. I think it's the walleye side of me. There's just a lot more control. You know, everything's right there um, with the tiller. But I'd love to see – like you said, I mean, people shouldn't be afraid to just kind of go at it with whatever they got. But Well, isn't it, you know, in bigger water, isn't it better in bigger water too anyway? Yeah, yeah, I'm, a bass boat will get swamped, and I won't, you know, because a bass boat will hit waves, and, and, you know, my boat can take a lot rougher water. Um, you know, it's a 20-foot Alaskan uh, uh, lund, and so it, you know, it's pretty deep, um, and I've had it in some pretty scary stuff, man. I mean, I've been in some stuff that uh, I don't ever want to be in again, but, um, you know, I, I think if I was in a bass boat in that same light, I, it wouldn't have been looking good. So, but you know, in the same re- in retrospect, though, it like those those experiences built you as an angler and as a boater, so you're more prepared yep. for situations in the future. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's yeah, and it kind of for living in Minnesota, man. Like having a bass boat's cool and all, but I mean, for if you're a multi-species angler, it's not the boat for you, man, because you're going to get yourself in situations, you know, on Mille or Vermilion, whatever these big windswept lakes are. And, you know, you're going to want a bigger, you know, fiberglass or aluminum boat. And I mean, you know, if you're a, 
like, you know, you're a multi-species angler in Minnesota, that that's going to be, you know, bigger rangers, bigger lawns. I mean, you know, on Lake of the Woods, heck, they run just, I'm probably, you know, they run charter boats because, you know, for, for customers out of the resorts there, I mean, that hold, you know, eight, 10 guys. I mean, having a big boat is good. Just from a safety standpoint, uh, I don't know. I'm comfortable with the tiller, you know, and that may change. I might get a steering wheel boat, but it'll, it'll probably always be, you know, a deep V boat. Um, I haven't, I'd love to own a bass, but I'd love to own like four boats. Maybe I will one day, but um, yeah, I mean, up here, I'm, I'm, I'm a tiller guy for now, but we'll see what happens. Nice. So I talked about tournaments for 2020, but just plans in general, you know, virus willing, you know, what, what, what you got planned, what you got in store, what would you like to do? in 2020 oh man i'd like to continue to try to grow you know um grow my grow my guiding and and try to uh you know take as many guide trips as possible uh fish as many tournaments as they allow me to um and then you know grow a stronger social media presence man i mean that is like the big thing these days right and so um doing stuff like this me collabing with you i mean this is what it's all about and this this is what people need to do more of you know um this is a technology driven age that we live in, man. And, and you got, it's right at our fingertips. Right. And so stuff like this is it's easy to connect. Um, it's easy to, to communicate. And so, I mean, it's stuff like this that I want to, I want to do a lot more of. It's awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah. And every, you know, uh, that's one thing I actually had on the recent, I had a recent podcast, uh, that we talked about, you know, social media and how yep. imperative it is becoming. Um, you know, it's, you see a lot of these, what we took the, some elite series anglers, for yep. instance, these, these older guys that have been in the game for a long time, you know, we'll talk about Rick Clun. you know, yeah. he just recently created an Instagram account because he's realizing <laughs> that's becoming imperative for sponsorship yeah, deals, for advertising. Sh- sh- yeah, Shaw Grigsby in the same light, yeah. 100%. These, these more traditional guys that are anglers are big names in the sport, but they're realizing they got to keep up with the young guys. You yeah, know, I put yeah. into comparison. You got an old guy who's a big name in the sport, but you got a young gun who not many people know about, but he has a huge Instagram following. Yeah. You know, as a sponsor, a company, it's a, a brand that you're trying to get into a market. You're going to go after him more than a guy who's just a big name because the, the guy can advertise a lot more for you than just a big name. You know, I mean, he's, he's got yep. personal selling on the side, yep. but this guy's got a bigger. Uh, fan base bigger social media presence where a lot of the, this purchasing is being done which is pretty yeah, I mean, it's an interesting market it it's 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 really interesting and i think you know everyone should should look into it i mean and it's it's like um you know our our generation is a lot more in touch with it but um i think you know in the future you're going to see these guys you know like um these elite series guys or whatever, I mean, they're going to get a lot more in touch with it because I mean, that's, it's the, it's kind of the, the way that you get noticed nowadays and stuff. I mean, it's the way that you can kind of build a, build a following, you know, and that's where I, I like, you know, like the, what the YouTubers are doing. I mean, that's sweet, man. Like, I mean, it's like, they're able to kind of, you know, um, show fishing in a, in a little bit of a, their own creative way. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it's something that I wish to get into and something I'm definitely going to get into in the next, you know, year or two Sweet. is, is, you know, as far as the route I'm going to take personally, I'm going to take more of a, uh, an educational approach to it. 
awesome. uh, versus like a vlog. I might do a little bit of that type of stuff, but I'm going to be a little bit more, um, um, you know, uh, what would you call it? Like, I don't know the word, like, Right here, like Benjamin Nowak, where he's very educational and have teaching people techniques and stuff like that. Yeah, and a guy, a guy who walleye fishes up here that I watch a lot. His name's Tom Bowley. Okay. If you check check out Tom Bowley fishing, I mean, he's got really really good videos that are super informative about walleye fishing, you know, and and through the ice crappies, uh, smallmouth, um, you know, stuff like that, where you know he's showing a lot of how to read a graph, how to what what kind of baits to throw, and for me. That's the kind of stuff that I personally like love to watch because I like to soak in information. You know what I mean? And, you know, um, not that not that what some of these vloggers are doing isn't cool. It's just kind of a different way to, to approach it and stuff. But I mean, if I were to get into it, I would definitely take that more like of an educational approach. Um, you know, I'd mix some of that some of that vlog stuff in there as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's awesome to to go on to on the YouTube and you heck, you could watch fishing videos all night long and it oh, never yeah. it never ends man it's, it's so saturated yeah yeah it's it never ends it's awesome i love it yeah well I, oh you got a subscriber here if you decide to make one so i'm <laughs> pretty excited yeah. i hope you do but uh, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here in a second i got two questions that i like to ask at, at the end of each podcast but before we do you know where can people follow you on social media and keep up with you yeah so it's uh at hayes underscore baldwin on 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 or is it hayes dot i'm sorry H-A-Y-S dot Baldwin, B-A-L-D-W-I-N on Instagram. Uh, Hayes Baldwin on Facebook. Um, and then uh, my guide service and links and stuff uh, are in the Instagram uh, description. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty much, you know, I'm working on, on building uh, a new website, so I'm going to get that going here. The one I have right now is kind of half-ass, you would call it, I guess. But, yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to be working on that, but definitely, definitely going to try to grow the Instagram a little bit and, uh, you know, eventually try to maybe get the YouTube going. I don't know what's going to happen um, with that, but I got to, I got to learn how to edit and all that fancy stuff and, um, who knows what's going to happen with that, but yeah, heck nice. yeah, man. We'll have it. We'll have all those links over here, and we'll, we'll we'll link them down below for everybody watching, everybody listening, so they can go follow along. And if they're in the area or heading up there, they can book a trip with you. And, sweet, uh, dude, sweet. just talk to your talk to your boy Soby over there. He, he's a he's an editing wizard. He can get you on that train. Yeah, my, I got my boy Murray up in uh, my boy Fishing More Outdoors up in Mom. Yeah, there. With him. Um, his channel's been actually... popping off too. I'm actually going to I'm going to say this right now on this podcast and you're probably not going to hear it anywhere else. I'm actually moving in with Murray into his house um, at the end of the month and so hey. I'm going to be living with him and uh, it's going to be cool, man. He's going to kind of hopefully kind of show me the ropes of, of YouTube and stuff and so I can get a better grasp on it, but um, I would expect to see a lot from, from me and him in the future, but um, again, shout out to, to Sam Sobey and, and, uh, uh, Brock outdoors, B rock outdoors, all those, yeah. all those boys that are doing it up. I, I definitely support, support them big time. And, uh, I want to get into it myself, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. So I think, I think you were in the, uh, the episode with, with Murray and Sobey when they did like that, you, there was a huge ice fishing tournament when they did interviews. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I've laughed harder during a uh, a YouTube video than I did on that one. 
That was yeah, just... the boy, the boys had a few beverages that day. Yeah, <laughs> we had a couple. It was, it was pretty. It was pretty enjoyable for for anybody. anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a good one. But uh, <laughs> cool, man. So, uh, are you ready for these these questions? These last two questions that I ask everybody. I don't know if you're oh. familiar with them. So. I have no. I've only. I, I've never. I don't. I'm not familiar with them. So I mean, I you know you. I'm. Uh, you know, I can only. I can only assume. I don't know what they're going to be. I guess I don't know. They're uh, the, either you either you'll get them right off the bat, or you're going to get stumped, and it's going to take you a while to get an answer. Interesting. So, yeah, the guys that usually get them are the ones who watch every episode through and through. But uh, it's uh, oh, wow. I'm gonna. I'm <laughs> yeah. All right, let's see. So, first question. This is definitely the, the tougher of the two. Is if you could invite any three people to dinner to pick their brain, whether they're past or present, who would you invite and why? To pick their brain. Pick their brain. Anyone to invite to dinner. Anyone. Who Who would you want to invite to dinner? Have a steak and a beer to pick their brain and learn. Just be able to ask them anything and get their full, truthful response. Wow. I mean, is this is this just a personal I just have to answer like what Yeah, like it could be anything. It doesn't have to be fishing. You could you could do it like any childhood hero. A lot of people yeah, yeah. have done family members they've never met because they were too young. Stuff like that. Oh man. Holy anything. cow. <laughs> I think our popular the popular answers, which I'm gonna name so you can't pick them anymore, are gonna be uh they're Teddy Roosevelt, K V D, and then Trump. Those are the most popular three. <laughs> My, okay, uh, I would not invite Trump to dinner. I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> no, no offense, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to go to dinner with him. But uh, let's see. Um, He'll make you pay the bill. Yeah, he would make me pay the bill. Absolutely. I better get my twelve. I better get my twelve hundred bucks from him too. I guess we're all getting twelve hundred bucks, right? But um, <laughs> no, uh, we don't. That's the other thing. Politics is not something to talk about at all. Really, not, not a, a good thing. Not a good thing to talk about on the on the social medias or anything. You kind of put yourself in a bad position there. But um, oh gosh, who would it be? Um, oh man, you know Arnold Palmer is the the, the first person I'm going to name. Nice. Arnold Palmer. Nice. So you guys would probably know him from the 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 tea the tea drink, of course. <laughs> um, I would pick 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 to talk to him about you know golf in the early in the early days. I think that'd be really kind of interesting to see how you know he was on the forefront of of, of professional golf, um, and he actually my grandfather actually caddied for him in the 1955 St. Paul Open, which is kind of weird. Um, my grandpa in the cities, my dad's dad was a golf pro down at a place called Lafayette Club, so he he actually uh caddied for Arnold Palmer but I always thought he was a really interesting guy and I never never had the chance to meet him so I would definitely he'd be number one for me Arnold Palmer would be number like one that. it's the first time I ever gotten Arnold Palmer before Arnold Palmer number two oh man number two I gotta go fishing related um wow I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with a guy. No one will probably really know on here, but it's a guy named his guy, a guy by the name of Harry Van Dorn. Now, this was a guy uh, in this area that I live in that guided in the in the '60s and '70s and stuff. He was a fishing guide for the Nisswa Guides League, and he was always kind of renowned as this guy to to always produce fish, you know, 
uh, when other guys wouldn't, he would bring in stringers of fish. Um, uh, he has, he had a good relationship with some of the guys that I work with now over at, uh, Linder, Linder media. He had a good relationship with Al and his brother, Ron. Um, and he just was really kind of an interesting guy. And I, I read about him in some of the, some of the things that these guys say about him. Um, it really makes me, it makes me kind of want to meet the guy in person. But uh, Harry Van Dorn, that would be the second one. So he was a Nisswa guide back in the day, uh, a fishing guide. Number three. Oh, man. Number three. Huh. This is tough, man. This is tough. There's so many people. There's seven billion people in the world, right? I mean. <laughs> you only got to pick three. You only got to pick three. Um, oh, man. Oh, not a politician. I know that. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, man. Um, childhood hero. Somebody childhood looked up hero. growing up. Um, you know. Oh gosh, man. I'm gonna bring it back to fishing again. Unfortunately, okay. um, not unfortunately. Fortunately, it's fortunately. Yeah. Fortunately, fortunately for everyone listening, go. it's going to be another fisherman, another fisherman <laughs> a golfer, and two fishermen. But definitely Roland Martin. I've never met Roland okay. Martin, but like, I used to watch his, you know, TV show growing up. Roland Martin. Uh, I think he'd be a, a cool guy to tie to uh, go to dinner with. I think I I might have met him when I was, you know, real real young. It might have been, you know, a number of years ago. But um, he would be a guy. I mean, he spent a lot of time, obviously, down there in Florida. You know bass fishing he was you know started kind of that that martin name that that is definitely resonated i mean you got it his son is probably one of the best one of the best uh fishermen on the flw tour if not the best um and uh yeah roland martin uh would be the third person that i would that i would pick yeah absolutely yeah. i got i have two i mean it's not one the first one's not really a story but i i remember watching this show all the time i would get up my morning routine is to get up early to watch it on TV. Yeah. It's always two peanut butter sandwiches and a glass of milk and then go back <laughs> to bed after it was over. But, yeah. dude, I went down to the Classic this year, right? Yeah. So I'm, work, I'm working the Classic. I'm work, I was working for Douglas. And uh, across yeah. from us yep. was, the, was the P-Line booth. Yep. So, uh, naturally, Scott Martin had to go work the P-Line booth for a little bit. Yep. And uh, I'm standing over there, and I, I was talking to, to Billy. I don't know if you watch Scott Martin's channel at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Billy, uh, Billy got a bass. He he was yeah. standing over there while there's a huge line for Scott and everything. And I'm just talking to Billy about random stuff. Um, and uh, Roland came up and was talking and talking to Billy. I introduced myself, and no one was walking over to Roland. And uh, I was I was talking to Roland about just a bunch of stuff and like asking how he is and uh, seeing how the yeah. family's doing, whatever. And yeah. he he just looks at me, he goes, "Look at this guy," you know. He's your own kid, and he steals all your thunder. <laughs> and you're just making all the you're making all these jokes, and there's this little <laughs> kid waiting in line for Scott. And I asked him, "Hey, buddy, do you know who this guy is?" And he goes, "You goes, sorry, nope. sir, no, I don't know who you are." And <laughs> look at Roland, like, sorry, dude. <laughs> Those damn kids, man. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> the funniest oh. thing. And then I was like, "This is Roland Martin," and the kid's like, <laughs> "Yeah, like, I mean, heard about you." And I'm like, "Oh boy, here we go." Yeah, I think it's. I think it, you know, it's just like, I'm a fishing history kind of geek guy with Minnesota related stuff. But I mean, I know like 
in the case of of the of the Martins, obviously, there's probably a bunch of people that don't know who who Roland Martin is, but um, I think it's important to you know kind of learn that you know where how things develop. I guess you would say um, from the beginning to where we are now. I think the I think you can learn a lot from the from the past. A lot you can. There's a lot to take take out of you know some of the older older stuff, especially in the fishing industry, man. Like it was so different back then compared to what it is today. It's like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's like two different worlds, man. It's crazy. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it is cool to see how different things start. And like, I love listening to stories of how, um, you know, I met a lot of people at the classic and I would hear stories at dinner or when we went out to the bar after of yeah. how certain baits were created and how they became what they are now. And yeah. those stories are freaking cool about just like how the A-Rig was born, different stuff yeah. like that and how the madness, like people dropping hundreds of dollars on one A-Rig because yeah. that was the thing that was catching all the fish at that time. So it's yeah. cool to see how different things start. It's yeah. Different things like that. It's pretty cool. But It's awesome, yeah. So last question. I'd like to wrap up the podcast this way. It's, yeah. uh, it's simple. Favorite fishing memory? Favorite fishing memory? Oh wow, oh, dude! You gotta give me a little, give me, give me a minute on this one. Holy cow! Right, first thing that comes to mind. First thing that comes to mind. Oh wow, man! It's gonna be my favorite fishing memory. Is gonna be the first. It my favorite fishing memory is gonna be on the dock with my grandfather when it was because i fished with multiple times when it was I, d I don't know but this is what i remember from it because i was real young i had to be like five or five or six years old okay i i had a little bobber and a little i think a little tube jig like fishing for crappies and i caught you know i was fishing on on this dock and we had a pontoon in the dock and i was fishing between the pontoon and the dock and i caught i hooked a a walleye a 16 inch walleye and i got it up on the dock and my grandpa i remember he said my great grandpa he said throw it in the bucket we're gonna eat it and i pleaded him i don't know why but i pleaded him to that we throw it back and then i started crying and like you know i don't i have, I have no i have no idea why i was crying about it but of course he let me throw it back and uh Nowadays, if I caught a 16-inch walleye, it's definitely going in the, in the live well. I'm going to eat it for dinner. But uh, <laughs> that, that, that's just a weird one, dude, and I think of it a lot. It's just kind of like I don't know what, was, what had gotten into me, but, I mean, that, that's probably one of, my, one of my favorite fishing memories, weirdly enough. Yeah. I think it's just another testament to show that while we like to keep some of the, the species we catch, we also still have an appreciation for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, dude, I got to say thank you for taking the time out of your day. I know this has been a long time coming, but I'm glad we finally got, you know, we made it happen. So I'm, I'm glad and I'm appreciative that you took the time to hop on here with me, and it was a blast. Yeah, and, and thank you, man, and, and definitely keep doing it and stuff, and I'll, I'll keep listening. And, and uh, But, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, and – uh, I hope you uh, can continue to grow and, and uh, maybe we run into each other, you know, someday in the future. So, yeah. 100%. I got to get over to Minnesota and fish a couple of lakes. And uh, I, I definitely yeah. want to do a, uh, 
because I've had, uh, I, I would say 10, 10 to 12% of the people I've had on this podcast are all from Minnesota. So yeah. I've been tempted to do just a Minnesota-only podcast where I have a bunch <laughs> of you guys on. It would be just kind of funny to do and talk about different stuff. But, uh, oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, I, again, I appreciate having having you on, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on down the road once this is all over and maybe oh, get yeah. a couple tournaments under your belt and see how we're doing. And Yeah, absolutely, man. 100%. You stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, looking forward to seeing you in a bunch of merge videos coming up here soon. Oh, yeah. Stay tuned. So. All right, man. You, you take care. Yeah, we'll see you later. All right, bye. All right, so that was a blast having Hayes on the podcast, like we mentioned in the podcast. It's been a long time that we've been working to get this to happen, to schedule this and actually make it happen because we're both so busy and he, he obviously has a lot on his plate, so it's tough to get this to, to both be on the same grounds and, and to uh, you know obviously get here and, and do it. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a blast for me to talk to him and learn about a bunch of different things when it comes to fishing in Minnesota, to guiding, to walleye tournaments, which I didn't even realize was a thing. I, mean, I, I had a faint knowledge, but he dropped a lot of knowledge on me uh, and you guys, so that was pretty awesome. Hope you guys appreciated it. Uh, we've been doing a little bit more of a multi-species thing uh, on the podcast lately. Uh, having Ben Schultes on here talking about trout and steelhead, salmon, and now Hayes on here talking about practically every fish under the sun, which is pretty awesome. Uh, it's not always going to be like this. Obviously, I'm very bass-hearted. I'm very bass-central to my... You guys get the point. I love bass. Um, so we talked about a bunch of bass tonight with, with Hayes, but we also learned a bunch about new species which is always a plus. I love talking fishing. It's the next best thing to fishing. So if you guys aren't already, go down below in the description. Go check out Hayes' social media, uh, his guide page. Give him a follow. Follow along his adventures. He's a great dude. Um, and hopefully he gets that YouTube going. And if you guys aren't already, subscribe to the Ogbert Outdoors YouTube channel. And you can find this podcast on the Angler app. Hence the bullseye that we talked about in our intro to this podcast. Uh, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Anchor app, pretty much any podcast application if you do not want to watch on YouTube. Thank you guys again for watching and for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Hey guys, I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast in its entirety. With that being said, if you'd like to support the Serious Angler podcast, please head to my page and click support. Any amount really helps me be able to create content for you guys and also helps me, you know, pay the bills, which gives me more time to make podcasts for you guys. Thank you guys again for listening to the Serious Angler podcast, and we'll see you guys next time.